This is Murder, She's Saying, the podcast that reclaims the true stories behind America's murder ballads. I'm Andrea Peterson. This is a weekly-ish podcast, but you should start at the beginning because it all tells one continual story. Uh, Think serial, but instead of being Sarah Koenig, it is a weirdo in her bedroom in Washington, D.C. Okay, we're going to start now. And congratulations, you have made it to the syphilis episode. I know I promised you a syphilis episode and I'm delivering you a syphilis episode, admittedly a day behind schedule because instead of recording this, I went out to Broad Hollow in Shenandoah this weekend and I just cannot recommend that hike enough. We literally ran into only one other person and a dog. There was a lot of old cool foundations, a collapsing cabin, which I'm going to post some pics of on Instagram today. It's just, it's super cool. Uh, it's it's close to Sperryville. Um, just, there's a lot to do in Sperryville, but this isn't a travel podcast. This is a murder ballad podcast, so I'm going to get back to that. So most of the news stories at the time don't really reflect this, but the trial transcripts that we have really do, which is that like everyone engaged in the murder trial had syphilis. Uh, Tom Dooley had syphilis. According to his testimony and actually some supporting evidence from her her father, uh, Laura Foster likely had and syphilis, as did Anne Milton and Pauline Foster, because uh, everybody has very similar names and it's super confusing, but I will explain the whole relationship as best as I can a little bit later in a Family Ties episode. Uh, but all of the central characters in the drama had syphilis. And we know that from testimony from some of the people themselves, as well as from Dr. George Carter, who was the local doctor. Here's Dr. Carter testifying. About the last of March or 1st of April last, the prisoner, that mean Tom Dooley, side note, applied to me for medical treatment. He had the syphilis. He told me he caught it from Laura Foster. So that right there is one of the primary motivations, and there's actually someone else who testified is later that Tom was going to kill the person who gave him the pox, who we hear Carter or say he was told was Laura Foster. And we need to remember that having syphilis was both much more common and much more awful than it is today. Uh, this is going to be like the little history spiel. I'm not going to get into whether you believe the Colombian origin theory or not, which is the idea that syphilis came back to Europe after Christopher Columbus went and started the horrific colonization of the North Amer- of the Americas. <laughs> uh, but here we go. Not going to get into that uh, because I'm not because there's medical debate over it, and I don't think I am the best person to resolve that question. (laughs) But know that we have, the first recorded things we have about syphilis are an outbreak in Naples, Italy, in the late 1400s. And 
from there it kind of sweeps all through Europe and it is just it is bad uh, it starts with actually like a most for most people a painless ulcer or called called a chanker I'm probably not even pronouncing that right chanker uh, and usually on the site of the infection, which is usually genitalia, uh, which did mean people figured out pretty fast that it was spread sexually and led to all these sort of weird things, closing in of brothels and maiming of women who were prostitutes uh, and were sex workers, just really like some dark history, real bad. Uh, and it was just, it was incredibly painful. There are multiple different stages of the disease. You, as I said, start with that chanker, chanker. I, God, I, I can spell it, but I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, guys. Uh, and that doesn't show up usually until about three or four weeks, like three weeks after your actual infection. Then there are a number of other symptoms that kick in at later points, and you may get some, or, but not necessarily all of these different symptoms. But so you start with the actually theoretically painless ulcer, ulcer on the infection site, and that's sort of the primary kind. And then the secondary set of symptoms that will kick in at later dates, and you can have just sort of flare-ups on and off are like more painful rash it is and skin postulations that can be very disfiguring uh and that that'll sort of set in a later date this you could kill you the mortality rates were pretty high and it also made your life just miserable and had the added bonus of at the end could just drive you like into insane essentially uh it gives you syphilitic related dementia um yeah so welcome to the world of sexually transmitted diseases before penicillin because <laughs> penicillin doesn't get invented until uh, the 1940s and since then we've had a very easy way to cure it although the u.s also decided not to use that on people in the tuskegee syphilis thing which is not part of this episode but is also a really horrific thing where the u.s government and uh, in the furtherance of quote-unquote hope note that i'm doing air quotes right now uh, medical science let rural african-american and men stay infected with syphilis even after a treatment was discovered so they could research the progress of the disease medical science is really full of some horrific treatment of human beings usually a women or people of color and it's important i think to talk about these things which is why i'm doing it now uh, because the tuskegee tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment is a really important part of the history of america's treatment of its people and syphilis which is you know, the subject of this episode. Uh, but we are going to go back to Laura Foster now. So, side note that right after her, Dr. Carter or explains that Tom Dooley told him that he had caught syphilis from Laura Foster. 
or uh, he actually describes how he, he uh, Dr. Carter, was one of the people that helped identify the body of Laura Foster uh, in September later of that year because there was a pretty significant gap between her murder in May and them finding the body. Um, but back to the syphilis part of the Laura Foster story. I'm not going to be able to tell you who originally got the syphilis uh, as Dr. Carter puts it in his testimony in the situation because it's impossible to prove these sort of things at this time, but there's a lot of speculation from other researchers and the testimony certainly supports that there's at least one person in this narrative who we know had syphilis earliest on it in the story and that from their testimony and that is Pauline Foster. So now I'm going to actually have to explain who Pauline Foster is. Uh, it seems as though she was a very distant cousin of Laura Foster but I couldn't tell you exactly how at this point and also oh, potentially a distant cousin of Anne Melton. So we know that from her testimony, Pauline says that she came to Wilkes County, North Carolina, from a nearby county, Watoga, which I'm probably mispronouncing, and I'm so sorry, but I know how it's spelled, and I do this all the time. Like, let me tell you how many, how long it took me to learn to pronounce hyperbole, which I still want to call hyperbole all the time, just all the time. It's real bad. Uh, but anyhow, so Pauline Foster says in her testimony, and I'm going to start reading here, if I can find it again. Hold on one second. I was staying at James Melton. Uh, aside here, Anne Melton's husband, who was a tradesman and relatively wealthy in comparison to Anne's background, which we'll talk about a little bit more in that family ties episode I talked about earlier. Or, uh, but back to it. Uh, witness is a young woman, also rented in parentheses because normally uh, hirelings aren't female. But okay, I'm just going to restart. Uh, I was staying at James Melton's as a hirely witness as a young woman. I went there for the first time in March last. Dooley was at the house. He was there most every day while I was in the settlement. He stayed there sometimes at night. I've seen him in bed with Ann Melton, wife of James Melton, frequently. There were three beds in the room. James Melton did not sleep with his wife. The prisoner would slip into bed with her and after she had gone to bed, he would lay down. He, he would first lay down with James Melton, and here I should note that this is fairly common, uh, like platonic bed sharing. You were not going to have a really nice bed to yourself until almost the modern era, where you were mass manufacturing these things. Much more often, beds in this time were going to be filled with like straw or and like hung from ropes uh, above the floor of a cabin space. It's not going to be like the cushy, soft thing that we necessarily have now. And as I said, you're not going to have typically your own bed, even if like 
staying at a boarding house, you might be renting like a shared spot in like a communal bed. Uh, and oftentimes when somebody stays over or who's a friend or you go to visit someone because travel is such a burden, it's much more common that you like stay over at your friend's place and end up just like laying next to them. Uh, which seems to be the implication of what was going on here. I'll, uh, and okay, back to the reading. And we're getting to the syphilis part, so. Ann Melton became sick. The remedies she used were bluestone, blue mass, and caustic. And then in the transcript, there is a little parenthesis where the state argues about uh, what explaining what bluestone, blue mass, and caustic are, which is also what I'm going to do now. Basically, they're all like pharmaceutical, and this is an air quotes thing again, uh, pharmaceutical compounds that are based on mercury, which if you, uh, yeah, is not a thing that you want to be ingesting, but was the typical prescription for syphilis uh, and the parenthetical in the testimony transcript from the uh, John Foster or West book that I'm reading in from here then goes on to be like yeah and then we tried to talk about uh, what, uh, what Aunt Melton said uh, quote occasioned her sickness. This was objected to by the prisoner, but admitted it by the court. The witness then stated that Ann Melton told her, er, not in the presence of Dooley, however, that Dooley had given her the pock. This was said about a month after the witness went to live at the Meltons and previous to Laura Foster's disappearance. And now I'm going to jump a little bit to skip over a bunch of stuff about uh, her interactions with Ann Melton and Tom Dooley after the disappearance of Laura Foster and okay too much explanation later she says in the testimony transcript I admit I have this venereal disease I got it in Wajuga County and came to James Melton's to get cured and work with him for money to buy medicines and Melton is a distant relative of mine, as I kind of explained earlier, parenthetical, not in the transcript. We also know from other people's testimony that it was assumed that Pauline also had a relationship with Tom Dooley of a personal nature, of a sexual nature. Uh, Pauline denies that in her testimony, though she acknowledges that she would pretend or to be in a relationship with him to be as quote like a blind for Ann Milton's ongoing affair with Tom Dooley uh, I'm not I, I'm, I obviously am speculating on the sexual lives of people who have now been dead for over a hundred um, years uh, oh god longer than that math uh, but I'm not going to be able to pretend we can figure it out one way or the other. What we can say is that it was a really awful disease that it appears a lot of people in this community had. Some of them were seeking treatment and it caused a lot of ill will between people and really shows how 
disruptive and horrific these kind of diseases could be before modern medicine. Um, I mean, obviously, we still deal with social constructs of shame and stigma around sexual health that make it harder for people to get the help that they need. We see in this case, Pauline was trying to do that, and Dooley was trying to do that. He sought out Carter's uh, treatment, and uh, as did Ann Melton, because she was taking, as we've established, the Blue Stone and Blue Mass, which I do want to talk about a little bit more. Uh, that was just a really common cure for a lot of different things, but was commonly associated with the treatment and of syphilis. Um, which again is not good because mercury kills you as well, but as we talked about earlier, uh, syphilis probably was going to kill you as well, oh, too, uh, or like drive you insane. Uh, it was also a thing that if you caught uh, and, and could pass on to your spouse um, or, or any other partners, so once it got into one part of a social web, it would, you know, spread. Um, and, you know, there's the argument for Pauline being the patient zero here, which is also patient zero, really problematic term, sorry I used it. Read up on the history of it um, and how it relates to the history of and stigma surrounding the spread of HIV and AIDS, because it is also another interesting medical history lesson while we're on this topic. Uh, in fact, I'll link off to that in the show notes now that I've mentioned it in my ramble. Um, but there's a lot of people who are speculating about Pauline being the person who brings it into the community here, and then there are people who've written, well, why would Pauline do that? It, if she, like, why would Pauline continue to be active if she knew that she had this thing? I mean, but obviously, a lot of people knew that they had this disease and continued to be sexually active. And I'm not going to be able to figure out uh, her behavior or, you know, a century and a half since. But. What we can say is that this disease was very common, and uh, but also uh, a source of concern and shame for these people. And we talk, uh, in fact, Pauline testifies that Anne melted and was thinking of ways to trick her husband into believing that her husband had infected her rather than her infected in him, uh, but we also know oh, that uh, James Melton goes on to get married again after Anne's death, and so it's not even clear that James was in fact, you know what, I'm not going to speculate about James, <laughs> we don't have testimony about that, um, but this disease was in this community, uh, there was a lot of secrecy and shame uh, about it, which we can talk about, but also by the fact that although it was widely testified, it really does not show up in the news reports except for an innuendo that more implies that Laura may have been pregnant. Um, but I think that really talks a lot about how we are still secretive about sexual health 
today, even though that can have really bad consequences and speaks to the importance of open communication with partners and seeking out sort of the health care that you need. Um, and on that note, I'm going to end this one. <laughs> uh, We'll be back next Monday, or let's be realistic at this point, probably Tuesday. I might as well just switch this to Tuesday. Maybe this is going to, be going to become a Tuesday podcast instead of a Monday podcast, because that just seems to be, like, my cruising altitude right now. Uh, but I will be back in roughly a week with another episode where we're going to talk about these family ties and what it was like to know all of your neighbors. A <laughs> uh, few other little updates. If you're in DC, I don't have all of the details yet, but we're gonna be doing another Mid-Mountain show. So if you wanna hear me sing original female murder ballads set in the West Virginia timber and mining booms, uh, keep your calendar open for April 17th, and I will share more details when I have them figured out. Uh, and I'm also going to be at AwesomeCon talking about uh, the uh, success or failure uh, of the TV relaunches, um, including Sabrina, which I'm a big fan of the new one, but also have some concerns with it. Um, it's going to be great. It'll be fun. Uh, and I'll share more details about the exact timings of those as they become clear, but I figure I might as well update you because that seems like the thing that you do at the end of podcasts. Uh, as always, I am uh, Kansas Alps on Twitter and Instagram. Um, uh, you can check out the Murder or She's Saying Facebook if you want to talk at me about any of this stuff or find me on Twitter and Instagram as I've already established. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>